in this day and age with the technology that we have with the creativity that we collectively have as companies as individuals as shoppers there has to be a better way we just fundamentally think yeah this is wrong why why should people be ordering multiple sizes or bracketing because perhaps they don't know in the, in the case of this brand this retailer what will fit them and how do we enable them and empower them with their data to actually make better decisions and stop that clothing going to to landfill and ultimately reduce the amount of inventory in the system Welcome back to the Web Chats podcast. My name is Sam Ridgway. This is a podcast from White and Black Limited. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode in which I have another brilliant guest for you. Duncan Mackay is the founder and CEO of AI Aesthetic, which is an Oxford University spin-out that aims to revolutionise the fashion industry by offering 3D body models generated from mobile devices. And this accurate next-gen 3D body modeling platform is found in AI Aesthetics' first product, which is available to online clothing retailers and is designed to increase conversion, lower returns and excess inventory, and ultimately work to reduce clothing waste and increase sustainability. And this is done all through providing highly accurate, highly personalized, highly accessible body measurement and sizing tools. So AI Aesthetic working to solve what are huge problems for retailers right now. Returns and the, and the huge cost involved with the returns. It's estimated that 70% of returns are down to poor style and fit. And 10% of those returns somehow end up in landfill, which of course is a huge sustainability issue. And Duncan, of course, unpacks these issues a lot more in our discussion and also the resolution that AI Aesthetic is presenting for retailers. But Duncan himself is a highly experienced marketer. He's an expert in launching and commercializing new products for major consumer goods companies. He started his career at L'Oreal and he's worked for the likes of Unilever and Wolves. He was awarded PepsiCo's Chairman's Award and the Marketing Excellence Award. Duncan holds an MBA from INSEAD and prior to founding AI Aesthetic, he served as head of e-commerce Europe at Pepsi Lipton. And Duncan's vision, which he talks about in this discussion, is really to disrupt and make accessible 3D body measurement using state-of-the-art computer vision a deep learning technology. And earlier this year, the company AI Aesthetic received 1.2 million in funding for the development of its tools. Uh, that came from Innovate UK and from Future Fashion Factory. So really exciting times for AI Aesthetic, developing something to solve a problem that I can guarantee almost every listener will have faced when, when purchasing clothes online. I know I certainly have, but also a tool that has really huge potential in not only online retail but in health tech in fitness and beyond so please enjoy this episode which started out with me asking duncan how he came to be where he is now as ceo of ai aesthetic so background um i actually studied uh economics and politics at university um and went straight into marketing um so marketed for L'Oreal, Unilever, PepsiCo, found pretty quickly early on, actually, I get a kick out of innovation. I enjoy uh, solving problems, actually understanding problems, what's driving those problems, what are the causes of those problems, and then coming up with innovative solutions and concepts. And then beyond that, actually taking those concepts to market and making them big. 
So I actually get a kick out of animation. So yeah, did done that for a little while. Um, was actually fortunate to be moved to Italy, and I, I came across a, a problem personally with clothing. You know, I couldn't find clothing that would fit me, and I was introduced to a tailor in the middle of Rome, and it was a different thing. So I had clothes made, and it got me thinking. You know, what if every person could have the same experience uh, wherever they are in the world? but accessing it by technology, so 3D body modeling. So from that core idea, I approached Phil Tor, a prof at the University of Oxford, and we started talking and formed a company. And our company is Aesthetic, and we do accurate next-gen 3D body modeling as SaaS for brands and retailers to reduce returns, increase conversion, and help customers essentially deliver clothes that fit and flatter individuals and like i guess that's what you found with the um with the tailor in rome you found clothes that, that fitted and flattered and you thought that's that's uh something that everyone should share and it's interesting because so many people i talk to on on this um podcast have a similar experience this is an idea that's spawned out of uh, a problem that they've faced personally uh, but i guess your your sort of um desire for, for fixing problems and solving problems coupled with with that is is where we've we've ended up with AI aesthetic, and um, we're going to get into hopefully get into some of the details of how you go about that and and what it means for for companies, um, Duncan. But just maybe we could just go back a step. So you approached um, Phil Tor at the uh, Oxford University. You said, how did you then go about um, sort of building AI aesthetic from from the ground up as it was then, or, or just an idea uh, and a concept as it was then to where you are now today? Yeah, great question. So um, lots and lots of conversations, to be honest, with customers, potential users of the technology, the problems that they face. So one of the first things we did was, it's great that, you know, I, I have this problem, but do other people have this problem and do they have this problem in large numbers? So that was one kind of key question on the, on the consumer side or the end user side. And so we went, went and talked to lots and lots of people about it to understand, okay, how is this problem surfacing? Um, what's the size? What's the scale of the problem? So if there's a returns problem between 25 and 50%, which we're seeing most markets, well, what's the impact of that? What does it cost? You know, how much does it cost to process a return? And where are those returns sitting? So, you know, in some instances you have garments that actually have very high levels of returns. So what segments and what categories of clothing are those? So that was kind of one key aspect, the end user. The other aspect was the, the actual buyers of our software. So the companies, brands, and retailers that need or want to use this software and going out and talking to them and understanding what are the specific challenges and problems that they have. And, you know, finding out things that in some instances you have luxury brand retailers, for example, that have very centralized distribution centers that have high levels of courier costs that they factor into returns, as well as other costs such as dry cleaning and refurbishing that actually are even more costly, even more frustrating for them. So that kind of, we'll call it kind of desk research, but also getting out into the market and talking to people is just super, super important to kind of get as close as possible sort of unbiased feedback around what is happening in the market, where are the problems, what do those problems mean, in essence. 
from that, we were able to kind of crystallize a, a first value proposition, which we then basically repitched to the customers I talked to, to validate it and understand, okay, is this something that really is fitting some of the problems that we, we described? And from there, we formed essentially, a, you know, a vision for the company and sought about getting funding and fundraising to build it. So, and to build a minimum viable product that we could then test with customers and iterate. So a number of different steps and yeah, quite, quite challenging at various points to learn and understand in the first instance, and then second persuade and sell so that we could generate more feedback at each point and move our solution, our business model, our solution forward. And then linked to that, I suppose, is, is you know, things like fundraising. So we've been very fortunate. We've had the support of Innovate UK through two Innovate UK grants, which have helped us iterate and develop the technology. We've had customer partners along the way and continue to have fantastic customer partners that are actively vested in this space, interested in solving this problem and want to innovate. And we've had some really, really supportive, strategic and visionary investors as well. So we've had a couple of investment rounds that have been absolutely fundamental to our business in ensuring that we're growing in the right way and we're developing in the right way and setting ourselves up for what we believe is accessing a huge opportunity. And um, you, you reference some, some other challenges there and maybe we'll, we'll come on to talk about a few more in detail. I, I recommend to anyone listening to, to actually go onto your website and you can watch the, the demo video of of this in action because it, it is really awesome technology and and really where i think for for all of the talk of of ai and, and ar you know where, where it's going what does it mean for us as as a sort of layman as it were not not necessarily in the industry at the pointy end i think this is this is one of the areas at least where ai is really coming into our lives at, at the moment with with what you guys are doing at ai static and other similar tools in, in a really practical and, and, and genuine, genuinely very useful way. Maybe we can we can expand a bit more, Duncan, on, on the problem that you're solving, um, particularly for, for retailers in, in the first instant. Um, I, I was looking for, for context. I was looking at a, a study which was touching on, on clothing retailers and, and it was talking about um, how many retailers now have product videos or, or perhaps show product photos or, or videos with models of different skin tones, for example, different body types, give a realistic idea of the product. We've got standard size guides, which have been around for, for a long time now, pretty much universal. We've got context images. There are a load of tools that, that retailers are, are now using and increasingly so to, to enhance that user experience. But interestingly, and it, it was a McKinsey study, I think, it said that just 10% of, of the companies they surveyed thought that they were fully utilizing uh, AR, VR, AI tools in, in the online sort of checkout context. And so I'm, I'm interested if, if we can just talk specifics as to the problem or the, or the problems that, that the AI um, synthetic system is solving, because it's not, it's a lot more than just a, a user enhancement tool, I think, from, from at least how it appears, Duncan. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. I mean, these are these are big problems, and I suppose that the big problems that we're going after are really, um, 
you know, they're huge, they're colossal. So we've got fundamentally, you know, coming out of COVID, we've got online um, apparel or clothing growing, so 10% year on year, and this is around the world. Um, and significantly coming out of COVID, we've seen a return to more formal wear and categories of clothing that high, have high levels of returns, which I referenced a moment ago. But the very real problem on the ready-to-wear side that we're solving is to get those returns down. And this is a sort of very real problem that we found talking to customers where every return is costing them something like $25 return to process. Now, the challenge is one of the biggest drivers of those returns is actually fit and enabling customers or end users to and shoppers to really understand, look, is this going to fit me? And am I confident in selecting this size that I will, it'll be right for me, I'll enjoy wearing it and I won't return it. And I think one of the challenges is we've got lots of different solutions you've referenced, which tackle this problem, but don't ultimately solve the root cause, which is we've got an industry of standard size clothing matched up against increasingly diverse and unique body shapes and sizes so that we don't know which size will fit me, you know, fit an individual, for example, let alone understand, you know, across retailers and across markets, what that brand will, how that brand will fit me in that market versus another brand in another market, or even within a brand or retailer. So the problem is significant and the challenge is the technology, the technology 3D body modeling has been around for a little while. The challenge has been the accessibility and the accuracy of that technology. And we're now at the stage where we're really excited about some of the results that we're achieving and what we're doing next on, on accuracy to deliver high, high levels of accuracy. So we have around 98% measurement accuracy across a number of measurements. So. Yeah, there's, there's the, te the technology is, has emerged and now gives us the opportunity to really match up individuals' shapes, measurements with, with clothes that ultimately will fit them. So that's on the accuracy side, accuracy side. On the accessibility side, the really interesting thing is, is to make this accessible to all brands and retailers and every, you know, shopper. So the, fundamentally our technology can work via a simple JavaScript integration for a brand or retailer and for a shopper, it can work off any mobile device. Right. So for us, those, those are the key, those are the keys to enabling adoption. Um, and a lot of this is, is, yeah, it's timing. Timing is so important. Timing and technology. Timing and technology. And I think, um, just there's so much in there, but to just, just go back to the cost just for a second um duncan i think we can everyone listening to this will be able to relate to that um and in fact in that that study i referenced just now i think it was something like 70 percent of returns they they cited as being caused by poor fit or, or style and i've done it personally you know I've, I've ordered two sizes in case one's too big one's too small or you order the same size from a different brand and it's completely different never quite looks the same so i think that's that's a very relatable issue but i the, the cost is just huge for companies isn't it and, and particularly when when you mention there about the tech being a you can roll that tech out almost universally for those smaller companies where um perhaps you know you've got you've got products or 
products or retailers with with low gross margins per unit where that returns cost is is really has a sizable impact on on revenue that's almost revolutionary you say isn't it when you can when you can adapt adopt tech like that as a smaller company it it's a blessing yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you make a really good point. I mean, the the point on and that's one of the core purposes of our company. We want to make 3D body modeling, next-gen 3D body modeling accessible to everyone. Mm. So one of the things we're very intentional about is ensuring that, you know, if you are a smaller retailer or a brand with a Shopify website, you can absolutely use and access this technology just with a click. You don't have to have any coding um, capability or spend money on an expensive developer or programmer to do it. And that for us is 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 important because one is we want widespread adoption. We want everyone to have the benefit of this. Um, and if you don't make it accessible, if you, if you limit it to larger enterprises, which have larger IT budgets, then yeah, that's something that, um, that you know, whilst is, is good for some brands and retailers, it precludes other, um, other companies from from benefiting from it, mm. and and the the end user ultimately, I suppose ultimately the customer uh, of that retailer that we've seen that cost increasingly be passed on as well. Because I've 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 noticed in recent years where returns previously have been free, there's there's been charges coming in, and that cost is beginning to be passed on a, a, a bit, and so this stops that at source, I suppose. The other thing I, I wanted to ask you about, Duncan, was um, the environmental element here because to me looking at this there's a huge opportunity for for companies to to utilize this to begin to get a grip of of sustainability issues uh, and address the problem of of uh, wastage i suppose you'd, you'd call it you know i think it's there's no secret that it's still a, a big issue particularly in in the fashion sector in, in terms of how much um product returned ends up in landfill and 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 just the the worldwide emissions full stop for for the industry it is that um something that, that you've explored something you've you've thought about as a real benefit to the to that retailer the 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 environmental side to things that the way they could utilize this for sure i mean there's a number of different um aspects to it so if you're you know, if you look at kind of clothing and how it's made, you've got made-to-measure bespoke clothing, um, which essentially is clothing for that individual, which ha- carries no inventory effectively, right? So you you eliminate aspects and and wastage that way. On the standardized clothing, yeah, you've got this huge problem of of returns, and subsequently, some retailers actually making the decision: look, it's actually more cost-effective for us to send this to landfill or burn it or dispose of it than actually recycle it. And that fundamentally for us is just wrong. You know, in this, in this day and age with the technology that we have, with the creativity that we collectively have as companies, as individuals, as shoppers, there has to be a better way. So for us, this is a kind of an imperative. Right. How do we ensure that, for example, in the case of made to measure, and we're working with made to measure bespoke customers right now, how do we enable them to grow their customer base to make their clothing accessible to wherever you are in the world without having to step to set foot, for example, in a, uh, in a showroom. And that makes that made to measure garment much more accessible 
And there's huge sustainability benefits to that because there's a huge amount of evidence to say, well, once you have a garment that fits you, you're going to wear it and keep it for longer, which also drives huge benefits. And on the, the standard size clothing or the ready-to-wear side, we just fundamentally think, yeah, this is wrong. Why, why should people be ordering multiple sizes or bracketing? Because perhaps they don't know, you know in, the, in the case of this brand, this retailer, what will fit them and how do we enable them and empower them with their data to actually make better decisions and stop that clothing going to, to landfill and ultimately reduce the amount of inventory in the system. So one of the things which our technology and our solution does is we provide highly accurate body models. So actually, if you take a step back, Brands and retailers can actually better design their patterns, their clothing to represent the customers, the true shapes, the true measurements of their customers and really understand what clothing um, needs to be designed, how should it be designed to be truly inclusive and size inclusive and measurement inclusive and body inclusive ultimately. Okay, so that's that's almost the, the step beyond for for the retailer, um, not, not only do you have that benefit passed on to the customer, but like you say there, when you look at the data and look at the analytics of it, are, are we making the right things? Is this still, yeah, it does. I hadn't thought about that. That's such an interesting angle on it. So that's a, a huge benefit in terms of informing product development, et cetera. Absolutely. So some customers have told us, you know, very candidly, hey, we don't really, you know, we, we have different ranges, we have different fits. But we don't fundamentally understand how our customers, in inverted commas, fit into those ranges, right? Um, and that's what we're able to do with, with data. We're able to visualize that data and enable brands and retailers to dive into it, to truly answer those questions and better deliver their garments, the design, the fit of their garments to represent and fit their audience and fit their, fit their shoppers. They're mm, mm. so just... Huge, um, huge benefit for the retailer. I can, I can absolutely see that just in what you've, you've briefly explained there, Duncan. Is, is there though an element here beyond the, the key challenges that you're addressing for retailers, as we've just discussed, um, and and therefore the benefits you're providing? But from, I suppose, from a marketing point of view, this this is a, a seriously useful tool that can benefit customers too, and and end users in in terms of the customers. So for retailers, for merchants and brands to increase that, that user personalization. If you, if you like, you, you end up quite literally finding the, the clothing that is, is made for you. Was, was that in there in, in the mix of motives for, for building something like this, G given, I suppose, given your prior experience, Duncan, as well as, and, and your career, um, that, that sort of marketing branding tool element, or, or is that slightly slightly softer you know i think recently um google and, and vogue business collaborated and and they were looking at these kind of tools for for end users and and buying decisions and it's a huge i think something like 40 percent of people say that that specifically tools based on ai would encourage them to purchase and we obviously know there's a very strong um consensus on the impact of personalization more generally on on marketing success and, and bottom line, but was that part of your thinking in in developing this, or is that maybe a, a slight periphery that's a bit softer? What do you What do you think? Well, I think I mean we, um, I mean the pers personalization has been a continued trend, right? In 
in fashion and across a lot of consumer-related sectors. We are absolutely essential to our thought is ultimately this is about size and fit personalization. Um, extreme personalization because what we're doing is understanding each individual's body shape, their measurements, their preferences, and matching those up with ultimately clothing that will that will fit them. So yeah, this is this is sort of central and part of our our belief is how we render that or how we make that accessible is absolutely fundamental. So there is no charge for an end user, but an end user benefits from the technology. They they benefit from this personalization, and that's that's of importance to us to enable the the adoption and for people just to use this and and get benefit from it. So yeah, and then from the brand of retail, I mean it's a win win. So brands and retailers will generate more stickiness, more retention because ultimately they're giving them what the end user and the, the shopper wants. And from a shopper perspective, I'm empowered with my data and my personalized information, which is their data, ultimately, which we're just facilitating. So for sure, we see um, a win for the brand and retailer and a win for the shopper uh, to personalize and really, really represent and understand their uniqueness. And, and when you're um, developing AI aesthetic and when when you're thinking about um that that product growth and, and growing those those tools how do you how do you balance that so on one hand you've got the benefit that you're you're bringing to the retailer and the other you've got the the end user do you go um all the way to the end user and and then package that and that's the benefit to the retailer by default how, how do you sort of balance the two or, or are they just one in the same like how would you do that yeah, it's a great question. So do you go to, you know, do you go to the end user or do you go to the retailer? We've, um, we see an opportunity for both. So, so, and, you know, you're right. There's a question around balancing between the two, which one, you know, do you start with one? Do you start with the other? Can you do both simultaneously, concurrently? We, we've made the call that actually we, we want to start with brands and retailers actually. So we think fundamentally understanding it from that side first and getting that right enables enables the second so the user a bit it's also recognizing the fact that it's tough you know there are lots of shoppers lots of users out there actually going out and communicating getting them to engage with a, a new company is very expensive and we've seen that with apps it's it's an expensive business with high customer acquisition costs we see more of a path as a b2b and then c company rather than going straight to the to the consumer and ensuring that ultimately the end user, you know, the end user is not paying anything for this, that they've reaped the benefits from it and that we can generate some adoption via brands and retailers. I think, um, it's a really interesting area for me, particularly, well, I mean, whether, whether your tool and, and your industry, if you like, or, or elsewhere, there's a lot of debate about how we sort of balance this implementation of, of AI and tech-driven sort of efficiency and, and innovation with the personalization, the, the relational kind of human element that I suppose whether we like it or not, we, we probably all look for in, in any transaction ultimately, especially from from sort of clothing, fashion brands that we, mm. you know, we they, they're so closely linked to sort of personality and identity. And I mean, that's a whole different podcast, but 
it, it strikes me that your tool is is almost facilitating that that nexus, that meeting point. So it, it doesn't take away from the art of things and then the human element, but it it solves a problem for the retailer that, that then allows you know the the space for brands to focus on that personalization and for ultimately for the end user to receive that personalization. So you've you've almost got both. Whereas for for many people, you know, the kind of the chat bot tool or however you you know the 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 marketing the email marketing automation whatever it is wherever it is that we come come into contact with those ai tools more regularly it can feel very dehumanizing and and um the other end of the scale so there's there's this really interesting point that you're you're meeting you've got that nexus point um i, I don't know if you if you'd agree with that but that's obviously the heart of what you guys are doing yeah i'd agree with that i mean that's something we're acutely aware of and and when we're working with businesses and brands and retailers, um, you know, these are designs, these are visions of, of clothing that, um, that these fantastically creative individuals have brought to life. And we are here to facilitate that. We're here to kind of help. And we're focused on providing useful inputs, data and feedback with respect to body models and measurements and taking away some of the more, I won't call them painful, but not necessarily efficient parts of, of the process. For example, in the case of a made to measure garment, actually taking away that measurement, providing it consistently and providing that as an input enables a, a tailor to actually dedicate more time to the creativity of pulling that garment together. And what does that look like for the individual and actually using more time or spending more time on the human side as you, as you've referenced. So for us, this is, these are inputs, these are tools that enable and encourage and facilitate more creativity and more time spent on creativity and the human side to what is fundamentally a, a very um, emotive and creative sector and will always be. Mm. I think that there's, there's a nice sort of segue here, I suppose, in this, this personalization element and you've, you've referenced ninety-eight uh, percent accuracy in in some measurements that, that the tool offers. That also must come with its challenges, though. And, and I know you spoke of some challenges when sort of getting uh, the business off the ground initially. But maybe we could we could talk about those challenges just briefly. Um, I suppose to me the, the the rapid evolution of this kind of technology of of AI, um, keeping on top of that, but also personal data management of, of privacy here and then you know the safe use of, of ai and, and transparency and there's so much talk around that at the moment would you see you you've you've seen any of all of those challenges with what you're developing at ai static yeah for sure i think i mean touching on the technology it's it's emerging it's rapidly changing for sure it's a challenge to to stay ahead and stay right at the forefront of the state of the art. We're fortunate in the sense that we're University of Oxford spin out. So one of our well, our founders, um, alongside myself, is Phil Tor, professors. So we are always abreast of the absolute latest and able to leverage that and apply it and use it um, when relevant in our solutions. But for sure, that's a challenge. And there are, there are there are also challenges you referenced, which are very real, which is around security and privacy. And we're very cognizant of that. We we recognize the fact and we take that responsibility very seriously. We don't take it lightly that we 
are effectively asking permission at every at every point, right, to provide a service and provide this service, we require your consent. We require you to agree us to provide us with your data, and in return, um, we provide you with a with a service, and we do that very very carefully, securing the data, uh, deleting it when necessary, and acting responsibly in the interests of the shopper ultimately. So when it's in, and that's our kind of abiding abiding principle. So for sure, I mean, these, this is sensitive biometric data, which we're acutely aware of. But this is an evolving, challenging space on the tech side, on the security, privacy side, and regulation. So, and, 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 more, and more will come up on that for sure. I was going to ask how you sort of stay on, on top of that, because it is an ever-evolving area. As things stand, there's this sort of guidance out there, but there's, particularly in the AI space, there's not necessarily... Um, regulation that is in force but how do you how do you balance that does that does that come into top line decision making in, in terms of your development is it something that you sort of check in on from time to time what what's the what's the process there because that's that's a challenge yeah it is a challenge for sure i mean we're able to to link into various organizations that are part of the Oxford ecosystem, which are extremely beneficial. So there are world-leading experts in AI regulation that have actually produced thought leadership in this in this area. So that's extremely beneficial to us because it kind of reins us in and, and within our ecosystem, we've had partners, customers at various points, actually discussions on this. Which otherwise, if we weren't in the position that we are, we probably wouldn't have that kind of line of sight and that thought leadership and that anticipation. So for us, that's that's important. We're also a nimble, agile startup. So we can chop and change relatively quickly and adapt to new thoughts, new regulations, as well as look to influence and leverage our relationships across, for example, the academic community to it. To, to, to make our voice um, heard when relevant, which is also an important aspect to this. But I think for sure it's dynamic, it's changing, it's uncertain, and hence why we have we have some abiding principles which we which we follow, which keep us on the straight and narrow. And then for sure there's there's going to be there's going to be more regulation coming. There's going to be more adaptation required. And just just. Yeah, in what you're saying there, it strikes me that 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 network around you has proven really quite important from from day one, actually, um, and and will be increasingly important moving forward. Whether that's thought leaders in in regulation or um, the technology itself or customer relationships that you've had uh, back and forth, that network. I suppose at, at your stage as an early startup, but but as you continue to grow and, and move forward, becomes ever important, and that that almost that kind of outsourcing, so that you can you can narrow in and focus on on what is absolutely uh, the purpose of what you're doing. You almost can't operate uh, without that. Uh, I suppose most companies wouldn't be able to operate without that, but it seems particularly important for for you guys. Yeah, it is. It is. Particularly in the case of when you have technology that is emerging and developing at a rapid space, you know, a pace. You've got legal regulatory commentary, you've got not just commentary, you've got um ideas, regulations. And these are and then this is kind of daily, right? I mean, we've just had an AI conference in the UK. I mean, this is 
this is kind of every week there will be something new, whether or not that's, you know, a point of view rather than regulation or it's a trend. So for us as a technology-driven company with capability, full capability in AI and deep learning, it's extremely important that we're tapped into that and to have that network of individuals, of partners and collaborators means that we know what is happening in, in, in regulation. We know what's happening in the, in, in the state of the art. We know what the concerns are on data. We know how these uh, topics are being considered, debated and ultimately decided on. Hmm. And as a, as a small company, as a startup, that's a huge benefit to us because it gives us huge amounts of real expertise that we can then bring to our customers. And our partners, which is not born out of just an engineer working in an isolation in a in an office somewhere. It's actually born out of the collective experience of our network, of our capability and of our understanding. And the real benefits of, of being a spin out of the University of Oxford and being part of this ecosystem. Hmm. Yeah. No, I can completely see see the value there. It's it's huge. Um just as we move towards the end of our time. Duncan, um, what, what does the future look like for, for AI aesthetic? Can we, can this tech be, be rolled out? Are we looking at sort of health tech? Uh, I mean, fitness industries, they, they spring to mind as areas where this would work um, even further. What, what was it looking like? Yeah, we're excited. So we're focused very much right at the moment on brands and retail, so clothing and apparel. And that really will be the focus in the foreseeable future. But actually, we're excited because we've had inbounding customer interest in in healthcare, for example, actually. Okay. And digital and health, you know, wellness providers wanting to offer their employees or stakeholders AI body metrics. So in the context of, you know, challenges across Western Europe, North America, so obesity, cardiovascular disease, um, diabetes, increasingly there's a desire to look at, you know, the shapes, the sizes, the measurements of our body, the metrics that are associated with that to determine appropriate things we can do, whether it be exercise or um, lifestyle choices that you make, nutritional choices that you make. And we see a big opportunity for us to tap into that and make this solution available as part of a broader digital wellness solution. Um, so that's on the one side. And then on the fitness side, yeah, we can see tremendous opportunity there as well um, to facilitate people achieving what they want. You know, And ultimately, our, our solution, our platform is all around making this accessible, making and empowering individuals with their body data to make better decisions for themselves. Mm. That's hugely exciting. I can I, the the opportunity is is clearly um, so significant. Do you think um, Do you think perhaps you you could go back to that that tailor in Rome and and find that that tech in sort of changing rooms in fitting rooms? Could, would that happen one day? Do you think? Yeah, that's something actually. We have um, we've we've had a conversation or two with brands and retailers for sure. So. Um, there's a sort of multitude of, of applications and opportunities with, with our technology and with this solution that we've got and, and how we develop it. One of the biggest challenges is, you know, what do you do now? <laughs> what do you focus on when you've got so many opportunities? Um, but for sure, the, the application of this extends from 
both e-commerce online into in-store and facilitating facilitating better choices wherever you are ultimately. Hmm. And I know I know we've said come to the end, but how how do you do that in, in terms of when you've got an opportunity like that and a product like yours and there's so much expansion potential? How do you stay focused or or, or choose what to what to move into? Yeah, so we will. Um, so we will continually, as a business and, and as a team, really think through. Okay, well, where where do we see impact? Where do we see? Where can we make the biggest impact uh, for our customers, for our partners that we work with? And how? What's the fastest and what's the most efficient way of delivering that impact? Just recognizing the fact that we're a startup, so we don't we have con- we have relatively constrained resources, which ultimately gives us a huge benefit in the sense of the creativity and the speed with which we can operate. So we need to balance those two things. And we we look at the impact, the feasibility, and really understand, okay, well, how can we deliver the biggest impact in the most efficiently orchestrated way, ultimately, for customers and partners? And that's a continual process. So we continually evaluate and take a step back and review, okay, where are we? What do we want to achieve this this week, this month, this quarter on our journey to delivering this vision and recognizing that to deliver a vision and the ambition that we have requires a series of steps and very thoughtful steps, which we continually kind of review and 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 then determine, okay, well, what is the right thing for us at this moment that will help us move closer and take us forward onto our vision? Brilliant stuff. I think that's um, that's a good place to leave it. Duncan, thank you so much. It's been really, really enjoyable talking to you. Um, fascinating stuff that, that you guys are doing. And people can can find you on, online, presumably. People, retailers, fashion houses, maybe listening to this can go online and find you. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, please have a look at and, and um, have a look at our website, www.aesthetic.com dot com or look me up Duncan Mackay that's M C K A Y on LinkedIn. Um and don't hesitate to drop us a line. Happy to have a conversation, a chat and understand more about, you know, your business, your challenges, your problems and opportunities and see how we can help. Brilliant stuff. Duncan, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sam. Great to speak to you. Take care.